You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 5, Episode 17. This is the 102nd episode of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast. My guest today is Rob Wilson, one of the founders of Toast Ale. That's right, a beer company. I hopefully have your interest. Ready to hear more? Let's get started. Episode 17, the 102nd episode of the Meet Mediocrity podcast. And I am delighted to be um, welcoming Rob Wilson to the podcast today. Rob founded a um, socially responsible beer company called Toast Ale in the UK. And you're going to hear the story from Rob, but Toast Ale is socially responsible because it, it, it brews its beer from day-old, or as Rob calls it, day-fresh bread. In other words, bread that would otherwise go to waste. One of the biggest um, social challenges of our day is food waste. Perhaps the biggest, I think Rob says the biggest wasted food is bread. And his company, Toast Ale, leverages um, bread that would otherwise go to waste to brew beer and delicious beer. In fact, um, since recording my episode with Rob, I can attest to the fact <laughs> that um, Toast Ale is absolutely delicious beer and would stand up to any craft beer and probably, uh, in, in my humble opinion, tastes better <laughs> than some of the mass-produced commercial beers. Um, but really the story about the, the creation of Toast Ale, the, the, um, social causes it supports, um, is actually quite amazing. So I think I'm going to go straight to the conversation with Rob and I'll do a little bit more in the wrap up. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Rob Wilson. So Rob, thanks for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me looking forward to the conversation. I am super looking forward to it because we're speaking about one of my favorite subjects today, which is beer. <laughs> and people are going to be surprised to hear that. But um, yes, I am. I'm really excited about this. Um, Rob, you know, but my listeners don't know that I found you by the fact that in my regular day job, um, I work with your sister. And one evening, uh, we were out to a group dinner with a bunch of people and um, started talking uh, to your sister, who I was sitting across the table from in a really great Italian restaurant in Italy, uh, in London, Italian restaurant in London. So we we're sitting there in a group of maybe 15, 20 people. And was at the, you know, you know how these group dinners, when you're sitting at the end of the table there, there are, you don't have that many pe options of people to speak with. So I was speaking with your sister about my podcast and she, she started talking about you and um, the oh, that's nice to know. <laughs> She did. She thinks you're super cool. And and in, in minutes, I thought you were super cool. And we because we started talking about um, Toast Ale. 
So um, here's here's the way I'd like to have this conversation. I'd like to start with you just spending a minute, like not the whole story. We'll get into the story. <laughs> just a minute introducing Toastale. Then I'd like you to um, I'd like to go back and, and, and get to the story behind that led up to Toastale. And then we'll get into a little bit more detail about what it is today. So that would be the order of events. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so um, tell um, us about Toastale. Sure. So Toast is a planet-saving craft beer. Uh, We're hoping to save the world with beer. Uh, We brew all our beer using yesterday's bread from bakeries. So in each pint of our beer, uh, there's a slice of surplus bread. Um, And uh, yeah, bread is the biggest food waste item uh, in the UK. Uh, Over 44% of the bread that's baked here is wasted. Uh, You waste a little bit less in the US, uh, you'll be pleased to know, uh, but it's still very high. It's about 33%. That's because Um, that's because we eat too much. (laughs) You said it, not me. And (laughs) and um, uh, and then we pour all our profits uh, into uh, environmental charities uh, fighting waste uh, as well. Um, So, yeah, we like to say we think we're the best thing uh, since uh, you know what. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) That's uh, that's us. Well, if you're not if you're not the best thing since sliced bread, you're probably the best thing for sliced bread. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the tea up. So toast ale, not just a brewery, but a brewery uh, with a cause, with an important cause. Absolutely. So, so I would like to. We're going to get into it because I think that that's awesome. And and um, I watched your TED talk that you gave probably about five years ago now. Um, I read all about the brewery, spoke to your sister about you. Um, But Rob, it takes a special type of person to get into a business like this. And I'd like to understand a little bit about what you did before Toast Ale and how Toast Ale kind of was born. Sure. Um, I'll give you the plotted history. No, I won't won't go back too far, but... um, so, yeah, I mean, I was I, I sort of always joke with my sister. Um, and uh, so the same with you that I've I've never really had a proper job uh, straight out of uni. I started up a, a charitable social enterprise in East Africa, uh, where we were um, trying to support the education system with uh, Tanzanian university students going into Tanzanian secondary schools to uh, create libraries. Um, And uh, I was quite a keen, uh, geeky student volunteer myself um, at sort of British universities uh, and um, uh, chose to uh, to try and uh, get something going in uh, in Tanzania. So I I ended up uh, sort of living in between the UK and East Africa for a few years. Uh, My wife and I um, uh, met at university um ended up getting married uh we co-wrote a book about social entrepreneurs whilst taking our honeymoon our mega moon traveling from cape town to cairo uh where we uh featured different social entrepreneurs uh, she would uh, in fact it's a stretch to say we co-wrote it uh, nikki wrote it uh and uh, I, I occasionally got involved um and uh, uh somehow managed to blag my way to having my name uh, on the book uh and then um through that i met Uh, or discovered an organization called Ashoka that support different social enterprises and social entrepreneurs, Um, ended up working with those guys for a little bit um, to offer support and advice to different social enterprises and social entrepreneurs. Um, Through that network, 
basically met a food waste campaigner and environmentalist called Tristram Stewart. Um, and he's a very charismatic, charming uh, Brit. Uh, and, and basically when he said to me, uh, Rob, let's brew a beer and get wasted on waste. Um, I thought that sounds like an absolutely cracking idea. Uh, and I'd be itching to, uh, to dive into a, uh, uh, another venture. So my um, very self-interested advice to him uh, was that uh, I'm going uh, to get that started and, um, uh, and let's build up a beer company. So what made you look, I'm interested in social entrepreneurs, but, but how did you, how did, how did it click for you? Like what, what was, what, what was, um, what made it special to you early on? Yeah. So I guess for, um, through that work with Ashoka, through the book that Nikki and I, um, had, uh, had no, written. Nikki, Nikki wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right, and hopefully Catherine made this clear to you as well. Um, well, she so. made it clear to me. Your sister made it clear to me that that you were there was a very powerful and and talented woman behind behind the man. She did say that, um, you know, and, and Nikki would make a strong case for uh, uh, maybe I'm the uh, the man behind the woman. So, um, um, so uh, yeah, we. Um, uh, on this journey and we met all these amazing social entrepreneurs met so many different projects um through ashoka met so many different awesome ideas and causes um and uh i suppose when this concept of toast came to be i i do a little bit of home brewing um like you uh, i love my beer um uh, i love business that does good i love thinking big um and toast for me when it was just a concept um and we started talking about it down the pub, uh, like all good ideas. Uh, it just seemed like we could do something really epic with this. And uh, the very fact that um, beer has always been referred to as liquid bread, um, the idea that you could create a delicious product that would then communicate important issues on the pack, um, the fact that we could then do something with our profits, um, we could make a sustainable business out of something that was going to be tackling an important and urgent environmental issue. It's just sort of every layer to it. Um, it, it started to sort of, uh, yeah, tick, tick boxes uh, and, and realize that we could we could do something pretty. Um, yeah, but I guess to start with, we thought just something pretty fun and it would be a project. Uh, and then a British uh, celebrity chef called Jamie Oliver. Oh, um, we all know the naked up... chef, even here in the United oh, yeah, States, he, of he, course. Yes, he's made it there, has he? Okay, yes, he has. Um, Jamie Oliver, go ahead. One of our proud exports, then. And um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so Jamie Oliver got involved in um, the very first brew that we did, and then he's got a little bit of a golden touch. So kind of, um, yeah, uh, it, it ended up sort of exploding because he he put it on one of his TV shows. Uh, and and within a few uh, weeks and months, uh, what started off as a, a fun project started turning into um, a bit more of a serious um, uh, business and an opportunity to, uh, to to grow something. Well, I have to be honest with you. Like I know that beer has hops and and weed or barley, uh, but I didn't know you could make bread into beer. I guess it, it serves to reason that you could do, but um, was that, you know, you mentioned uh, Tristam and, and yep. it was, so tell me a little, how, how did, how was that connection made? And, and is it harder to make beer out of bread than it would be out of its raw ingredients? Yeah. So this is where there 
is I'm naturally uh, sort of a, a romantic in the traditional sense of the uh, uh, the term. And um, there's, a would say, a really lovely romantic origin to the fact that beer has been brewed using surplus bread for thousands of years. Hmm. So the first ever beer that was ever that we know about that we have uh, historical records about um, was brewed using surplus bread in ancient Mesopotamia. Um, okay. and, um, and basically Tristram had gone to Belgium, uh, on a, uh, on sort of one of his, uh, trips to, to talk about, uh, food waste and, uh, some of his environmental activism whilst he was there, somebody gave him a beer, um, that had been brewed by a local brewery using this ancient technique of, of, of using bread in the, in the brewing process. Uh, and they'd called it Babylon as a kind of nod back mm -hmm. to the origins. Mm -hmm. um, and basically when uh, he sort of discovered that you could yeah, brew this really delicious solution, he knew that bread waste was such a massive it's issue. actually an easy um, connection there when, when when you when you when you hear about it because bread 100%. waste is so obvious yeah um so he made the connection and um did they give him did they give him the uh did they give him the recipe or did, yeah so they so they basically yeah so he, he obviously came back to the uk he and i had this conversation uh louisa as well uh who's sort of uh, the third um uh, sort of co-founder in in toast uh, was also involved uh, and, um, yeah, the guys in this, uh, Brussels beer project, uh, brewery, uh, said that they would love to sort of share what they had done. Um, they instantly realized we wanted to do all sorts of, uh, sort of weird and wonderful things, uh, with this idea. Um, and, uh, and so they were super collaborative and then we've been equally uh, collaborative ever since we've open sourced our recipe. Uh, we open source what we do. Our recipes been downloaded about 80,000 times um, and, and sort of in answer to your question about is it more difficult it, it isn't and so that's that's why we we want to evangelize to the world um, that this is such a common sense no-brainer of a solution you have day fresh bread going to waste in thousands of tons um, all around the world every country in the world uh, there is uh, a bread-based staple uh, in the diet uh, that is going to waste Beer is also a staple uh, in a lot of people's diets uh, around the world. Um, and for thousands of years, local brewers and local bakers had a common sense solution. Now that beer production has obviously been uh, industrialized um, and scaled up, it's a little bit more challenging and complicated to get that surplus into the supply chain. Um, but it's not so much of a challenge um, that we can't you know, overcome that. And that's that's the ambition. So we don't See, we, we used to joke uh, that one day, um, you know, toast will be bigger than Heineken and, um, and we will, you know, take over the world that way. I think reality's kicked in a few years in that we're probably not going to be bigger than Heineken um, or bigger than Budweiser. Uh, and so we, we need to work in collaboration with these other breweries to create more of a systemic change that will have a, a really meaningful impact. Honestly, in your TED talk, Rob, you, you said something to me that was far more um, memorable and impactful than, than size, like a Heineken size. What you said was that your ultimate goal is to put yourself out of business by open sourcing yeah. your recipe <laughs> yeah. and getting others to brew um, their own versions of toast ale. Um, hopefully, bread waste would become a thing of the past and uh, you'd put yourself out of business, which, of course, will never happen. But that is an aspiration is to me more meaningful than being as big as Budweiser or Heineken. So I love that. I love that. And I remember that. Nice. Well, um, 
since then we have taken investors on board so i have to keep that one a bit quiet now no, no i'm joking so um we um uh, we do have uh yeah sort of investors who have come on board impact investors um they will never get a dividend because all our profits go to uh charitable causes uh, so they're, they're not in this for a a pension scheme um we obviously as the business grows the the equity value of the of the business should grow as as well and and ultimately yeah the the dream ambition for us is to not exist there would be so many easier ways for all of us to make a living uh, than, than doing what we're doing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and we'd probably just move on to, you can brew bananas, you can brew all sorts of things, potatoes. Uh, there's, there's so much um, different foodstuffs that go to waste. And the entire alcohol industry was pretty much born out of preserving the calorific value in food that would have otherwise gone to waste right. by right. just fermenting it. And so, right. yeah, bread is one thing, toast is one thing. Hopefully, uh, it doesn't exist. I suspect before we work ourselves out of business, uh, we'll, we'll move on to another food item. Well, you mentioned bananas. And in our house, um, I'm always excited when we, whenever we go to the grocery store and buy bananas, which is pretty much every time we go, um, I always um, buy a, a more than we need. And, and um, my wife knows that my, my secret is as soon as they start getting a little too brown, I know that she's going to make banana muffins or banana bread yep. out, of, out of the, the over-ripening bananas. So, um, yeah, there's probably a lot of wasted bananas out there, too. If they don't become if they don't become banana muffins, they become garbage. Too right. And they quite quickly become alcoholic as well, by the way. Uh, so our we, we brew a low, uh, a low alcohol uh, lager, which has 0.5% ABV. Um, but our, our sort of running joke is that there's more alcohol in a very ripe banana uh, than there is a, a low alcohol lager. Uh, so uh, you need to watch. You need to watch it. Uh, don't don't maybe eat too many of those muffins. Maybe that's why <laughs> I like the muffins so much. Who knew? Um, so great, great story, great cause. Um, so Toastale was founded about five years ago. Five, yeah, years five, ago? Six, five, six years ago. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, tell me, you started, you started talking about this, but tell me um, where it has come to today and a little bit about that journey, because it started, you know, you didn't start in terms of um, volume, but obviously you've grown. Um, yep. I, I'm curious, you know, a couple of things in terms of um, like how you source your bread, um, you know, who gives you their old bread um, and um, a little bit about any stories of people who've downloaded your recipe and used it. And um, in terms of, you know, moving to the investor level, like, like how did that evolve? So I'm curious about the growth of, of Toastale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all the things basically, Mitch. <laughs> Just, um, so, uh, so basically we, um, uh, we sort of started, you know, like I said, we had this sort of amazing support from Jamie Oliver to begin with. Uh, we were pounding the pavements, just going bar to bar, restaurant to restaurant, pub to pub. Um, we got one big national listing in the UK, a, a retailer here called Waitrose, uh, who were our first big national retailer to come on board. They've got several hundred uh, shops uh, across the country. Um, that was quite a game changing moment for us as a, as a business. Um, and then since then, heaps of other uh, stockists, restaurants, theatres, um, we focused on, you know, high end Michelin star restaurants, um, cultural venues, experiences has been a little bit more of our strategy and our target market. Um, 
we obviously were carbon neutral before that was uh, really so much of a thing these days. Um, we had a commitment to net zero uh, long before, uh, again, the, the, the big corporates have, have started playing catch up, thankfully. Um, and I think lots of our smaller uh, sort of stockists and accounts uh, have wanted to be a part of that for, for a long time. Uh, and then have built up a, a really epic, fantastic uh, following of what we call barstool activists um, who uh, uh, will, will drink a beer and, uh, and make a difference. Um, and so, yeah, the, the business has grown really well. Like I say, we, we've got a, a sort of a, a slice uh, of surplus bread in every pint. Um, we've brewed around 3 million uh, slices so far to give you a, a sense of our, our current scale. This year should be about another 2 million um, to give you a sense of kind of size and, and sort of doubling up almost uh, each year now. Um, we, um, uh, yeah, sort of, uh, I guess, uh, raised about a hundred thousand pounds or donated about a hundred thousand pounds to different environmental charities. Uh, but our aspiration, our BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal is to brew a billion slices of surplus bread. Um, and so whilst we've had some success over five or six years, um, as you sort of alluded to this, this open source recipe and, uh, and people downloading it and brewing it at home, that's essential for us to hit the BHAG and then collaborating with others. So we've brewed in for COP26 last, um, last year, the big climate change summit. We brewed in collaboration with 26 other breweries, uh, big brands that you'll, you'll know of, um, like Guinness, um, as well as, uh, other, other breweries, uh, that, that are known in the UK, probably not known globally, uh, but Beavertown, um, Adnams, uh, some fantastic brewers here. Meantime, um, who uh, we collaborated with, brewed the beers using surplus bread um, and helped to create even more impact. And our hope is that as we collaborate more and more with other breweries, uh, we can get this concept uh, rolling out around the world. Uh, so we've even brewed um, uh, close, to, uh, close to you as well, So we, um, which was both a success and I think the, uh, the sort of commercial speak is uh, a learning uh, so we we tried to sort of uh, crack America, um, sort of when we were sort of one or two years old uh, as a business, thinking because we had we had phenomenal PR, we've had amazing uh, press and media attention around the world. Where I think it's captured the imagination. People love beer, people love bread. Uh, no one wants to see bread going to waste, um, and so it's it's captured the imagination. So we've had interest and demand from lots and lots of different countries. Um, and when we had heaps of demand in the US, we thought, okay, let's let's go to New York and and brew a beer. Um, so we actually partnered up with a, a great uh, local brewery to you. I don't know if you know Captain Lawrence. Um, I do. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant craft brewery um, just outside uh, New York City, mm -hmm. um, upstate New York, and um, they um, uh, we sort of brewed with them. Basically, contract uh, brewed. We we shared the recipe. Uh, and then and then launched the toast brand in New York. We were in all the Whole Foods, the Total Wines, the Shake Shacks. Um, we were in the Met and the Guggenheim and, and all sorts of wonderful places uh, served in sort of Google's offices. But my word, making money in America is tough. <laughs> we, it's such a different business model and, and, and business environment to the UK. Um, and as we had to grow to different states, uh, when Whole Foods wanted to put us in new states, and then we had to get you know, new alcohol licenses in new states and the legal fees. And, oh, wow. So a, 
a big steep learning curve um but we have also uh yeah brewed a lot of beer uh, over uh, over in your neck of the woods uh, as well and, and that's still the hope that the aspiration is over the coming years um as we uh grow and build the business in the uk i think we realize in hindsight we probably should have waited until we were even stronger in the uk before entering other markets um we'll, we'll then go back when you partner with another brewery do they do they how does that well, by the way you mentioned <clears throat> you mentioned mean time in, in the yep. uk my favorite drink in the uk is mean time pale ale oh so, nice so uh it's funny i you you mentioned that i said at one time i ordered it just simply because i said do you have like a pale ale and they're like we have some mean time and i'm like that's my go-to now <laughs> um but anyway um you mentioned this kind of like working with Guinness, working with Meantime, working with Captain Lawrence. How does that work? Like, does it, is it get a toast ale label? Does it get their label with a toast ale credit? How does that work? So it kind of varies and we don't have a hard and fast um, structure. Um, <laughs> this is where the, uh, the conversation can uh, pivot to uh, some business coaching, please. Uh, <laughs> you, you can, you can, can no doubt. That. Uh, support and uh, give me some advice. So um, we've we've structured it in lots of different ways. We've brewed in South Africa, uh, where we partnered with a fantastic brewery there called Devil's Peak, um, and it was brewed under a sort of a licensing arrangement there. Um, when we went to the US, we set up our own uh, business uh, in the US. We set up an LLC. Um, we um, yeah brewed it under contract. We were selling it direct to uh, various different. Um, stock is obviously via uh, distribution uh, in the US. Um, we have collaborated where there's been more of a kind of uh, revenue share per liter brewed to have the, the toast logo on pack. We're brewing one in the Netherlands at the moment, for example, for a Dutch retailer that's more that kind of structure. Our commitment is more about the charity partner that we're going to support and work with um, okay. locally as well. Um, and so we've um, we've tried various different things. I would say we're quite well we're just very impact driven so we get very we get very swept up with whatever model is necessary to just get something done yeah. to, to to create the impact um that's keeping, uh, where, your, that's keeping your eye on the priority so i like that i think so although we you know we're, we're so we're a certified b corporation um which means that we prioritize the the people and the planet alongside the profit but the profit is really important because we're generating the money in order to support some charity right. partners. Plus we have to wash our own face and, and make you sure do. we're breaking even. Uh, <laughs> and so there's, there's a need to be commercially savvy. And I think that's where probably over the years we've been at times a little bit too focused on the impact ahead mm. of maybe the commercial rationale, whether this is really a sensible commercial decision rather than just being very impact focused. Uh, and so we do have to try and root ourselves back in, come on, we've got to be sustainable here. Uh, and whilst our aspiration is to work ourselves out of business because we've tackled the issue, uh, we don't want to work ourselves out of business uh, right. by just being, uh, by being daft uh, with, uh, with business decisions. Understood. And, but the fact that you've been around for six years is a good sign because um, yep. entrepreneurial and certainly um, socially focused um entrepreneurs if you've lasted that long and you've 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 made it over a lot of the rocky part for sure we're doing all right yeah and uh, and thankfully the brits uh, drank their way through the various lockdowns of covid uh, and so, uh, and so <laughs> not just uh, the Brits, sad to say <laughs> so uh, so beer sales uh, were, were pretty buoyant and uh, 
we uh, yeah we quickly uh, did what every other business did and pivoted to being a uh, an online business and realized that it turns out Jeff Bezos was onto quite a good thing uh, when uh, when he started selling <laughs> things online and uh, and we realized very late in the day uh, that um, that oh my word how have we not had a uh, an e-commerce strategy until right. now sometimes it becomes um out of necessity uh but it 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 came it came at least it came yeah um so where do you so where do you get your bread you know where, to me to me it's probably sounds easy but there's definitely some logistics involved yeah definitely yeah, definitely logistics involved so um in in the uk us brits are addicted to our pre-packed sandwiches that we go and buy yep. in the shops yep. um rather than going to these beautiful new york delis That's um, right. we just we just go to a shop and buy a sort of a plastic packaged uh sliced sandwich you do uh, and, and and they're for shit i can't believe you guys like that stuff but anyway <laughs> I, know, I know i know and we we eat millions of them every day it really is the, yeah. the staple diet of a of a brit is, yeah. is a sandwich at lunchtime that's so rubbish uh, but anyway the end slice the heel of the loaf the crust yeah. never ends up on that that sliced sandwich uh, so that the end slice that heel just gets chucked in the uh in the bin at the sandwich factory um, and so that's been one source of surplus for us, um, where it's consistent, it's the same surplus bread, it's day fresh, it's normally baked either that uh, the night before or that morning sent straight, it's, it's sort of the, the supply chain and that, that facility, obviously, because you want the bread to be as fresh on the shelf in the sandwich pack as long as possible, right. is baked, sent to the sandwich factory, put onto a sandwich, packed, sent to the shops. But right at the start of that process, every day, hundreds of thousands of crusts are just getting chucked in the bin. Uh, and so what we're doing is diverting that. Where we have to be careful is things like allergen controls and traceability right. um, and really sensible things like that that we uh, <laughs> we weren't really thinking about in the uh, the first few months. But now that it's all got a bit more grown up and sensible, uh, realizing that that's actually the, the critical key. Um, and then we have to be careful about... Um, yeah, the ingredients are so not just allergen controls and traceability, but also how much salt content might be in um, surplus bread mm -hmm. or, or in bread in general. Uh, those of us that have uh, have probably baked during, uh, you know, the various lockdowns, didn't we all bake once and then never baked again or whatever it was during during COVID? Um, uh, if you have baked, uh, you know how much salt goes into bread. It's 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 really quite high in salt when uh, when you bake a, a really lovely sourdough. Let's say um, it brings a lot of the flavour. We have to be careful. Actually, some of that higher end artisanal bread isn't great for um, for, for for baking uh, for, for for brewing uh, because um, yeah because you, you don't want a salty lager. Right. <laughs> that's that's not going to appeal. Well, you've already made me feel better because you're not you're not dumpster diving. You're not, um, <laughs> you know, you're not brewing half-eaten dinner rolls. You've no. actually, you've actually sourced it from a responsible place where you, oh, um, we, you can trace it, and know what's in. We it. had a funny, we had a funny story. I won't, I won't specifically name them, um, but I'm sure it's pretty obvious. There's quite a well-known global pizza brand um, that do takeaway pizzas, and um, they wanted us to brew the crust. Mm -hmm. that people leave once they've eaten their pizza um mm. and i was like come mm. on i mean part of the part of what the issue of, of so it's called the circular economy what we do um and i'd say one of the potential negative stigmas of the circular economy 
is a yuck factor, right? Yeah. People don't people don't want to drink a beer if there's some element that oh, is this moldy bread or is this half-eaten right. bread or is this is this come out of someone's you know yeah dumpster yeah. diving sort of thing. And so I just thought, really, I mean, no one's going to want a beer from a half-chewed pizza pizza. So no, it's all. It's all commercially, uh, yes, it's tackling bread waste at a commercial scale, uh, Mm -hmm. where sadly, thousands of tons of surplus bread is going to waste. We're very conscious to never take surplus uh, from um, uh, supply chains that could otherwise go to food banks and feed those in need, Mm -hmm. which is why we like working with the sandwich industry, where the end slice is going to waste rather than taking whole loaves. Um, where they could be going to uh, to food banks, but food banks will routinely turn bread away because so much goes to waste. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I, my wife's birthday was this week. Um, my listeners know my wife Meredith, and and this week was her birthday. And she 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 lets us all know that it's a national holiday here. Um, <laughs> but we. Um, She's gluten free, so we're always looking for restaurants that have gluten free options. And now nowadays, they're 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 almost all do. But um, we found this amazing restaurant in New York that that is um on the it's basically a um, bakery by day, so bagels and pastries and cookies all gluten free, um, and it's a restaurant by night. So, um, and we didn't actually realize it was the bakery and the restaurant were in the same building. We thought they was the same owner, but we arrive and, and, and you walk in and you can see that it's all set up for dinner. And on the right hand side is, is the bakery with the counter. And it's just kind of like closed off um, so that a line of people aren't in there all evening looking for, for cookies. So um we had a lovely dinner and, you know, watching my wife enjoy um, pizza and breads that she can eat was was really great. And then it came time for dessert. So um, there were a lot of options and we picked out um, this kind of like cinnamon cake that, you know, had a, a frosting on it. And um, the waiter comes over and, and we had talked up the waiter about being gluten free. And I'm sure everyone who goes there does. But um we finished up, um, you know, he brought over our cake. And when I asked for, for the, the, the bill, he um, also brings over a bag with some cookies in it. And we're like, that's so nice. And he's like, well, actually, it's the end of the day. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you haven't been here before, but everyone gets cookies or something to go because we we gonna wait, they're gonna go to waste. That's we great. Bake, we baked them this morning. They'll they'll be they'll be bad by tomorrow, or like, certainly not not worthy of a bakery selling them. We'll bake fresh tomorrow morning. Um, take these cookies to go. And of course, they were perfectly good, but in, in another day's time, they wouldn't be. And Knowing that I was speaking with you today, you were part of the dinner conversation about using baked goods, in your case, bread that was getting old for, for beers purposes. So um, nice. I get it. Like I, there, this is a huge problem and, and I'm really happy that you guys are, are addressing it. Um, where do you get toast ale and, and how many varieties of toast ale are there to get? Yeah. Um, and I should give a shout out actually to the bakery we work with in New York. Again, I don't know whether you've ever um, uh, got any bread from Bread Alone Bakery. Do you know Bread Alone no, Bakery? No, I do not. It's a great New York bakery. Um, and um, 
uh, yeah, they were just such fantastic partners uh, to us as well, wanting to make sure that they tackled uh, as much of their surplus as, as possible. So our beers, we have um, a core range of beers, a lager, a session IPA, an American pale ale, uh, you'll be pleased to know, uh, and, a, uh, and an English pale ale. Uh, that's our kind of core range, quite a small core range. And then we regularly do uh, seasonal beers uh, and often collaborations. So we've collaborated with other B Corps uh, where we brewed a, a lemongrass lager using some um, lemongrass tea from a tea B Corp uh, called Tea Pigs. Um, we've we've partnered with uh, a brilliant um, uh, B Corp here called Oddbox uh, where we brewed uh, about a thousand wonky mangoes that we're otherwise going to go to waste uh, to make a mango IPA. Uh, so we have all sorts of fun doing seasonal beers. Um, and so, yeah, for, for any Brits listening, um, yeah, sort of uh, going to your sort of local Waitrose or co-op or uh, getting onto a Cardo or Getir, uh, and you'll be able to, uh, to, to, to grab a beer or just toastale.com. And, um, and, and actually a, a sort of a, a fun plug would be uh, that now that we're all friends, if you use I know Rob, um on the discount code you'll get a nice little uh, discount um, at the uh, at the web shop and is it only available in the uk it is so we don't export the beer so part of our environmental principles uh is that we just won't export where carbon carbon footprint exactly you're basically moving water around the world which is crazy um and so yeah we brew locally in various different countries at different times uh, at the moment, um, the UK and the Netherlands uh, are the places where you'd be able to uh, grab a beer um, uh, that, that's got a toast uh, badge on it. Uh, and then, yeah, later in the year, we'll do another one in the US. Uh, we'll collaborate with uh, uh, another another brewery there before too long um, and um, yeah, other places in the world. But right now, yeah, UK and Netherlands. Well, I will be back in the UK in hopefully in the next two months. And I guess instead of getting a meantime, I'll, I'll look for a, a toast ale. Absolutely. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll pour you a toast ale pint myself. And, that would um, be amazing. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get my sister along and uh, uh, you, can, uh, you can curse her for introducing uh, such a uh, yeah a silly man to your uh, podcast. Actually, actually, I will te- <laughs> I will tease her before having a boring proper job and not doing something interesting <laughs> like her brother. <laughs> um, Rob, it was really a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I really appreciated it. All right, take care. So, what a great conversation with Rob. Um, You heard the story when I was speaking with him. So I work with Rob's sister during my um, regular job, not my fun um, podcast uh, enterprise. I don't even know if it's an enterprise. It's not really a money-making enterprise. It's a passion enterprise. But um, in my real job, the one that actually pays the bills, I work with Rob's sister, Catherine. You heard us mention that. And, you know, I'll say it here. Um... We'll see whether Catherine actually listens to this podcast, but Catherine's one of my favorite people um, during my day job, at my day job. She is uh, both incredibly competent uh, and fun to work with. And that that dinner was quite fortuitous because um, we were enjoying wine with a group of maybe 15 or 20 others, and the conversation turned to... Her, her brother Rob, who she greatly admires, I think it's funny how people who are entrepreneurs think people that work in big companies are doing it, you know, properly. 
and people who are working in big companies think that entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs with a cause, supporting a cause, we think they're doing it properly. But anyway, Catherine certainly thinks Rob is doing it properly. She's incredibly proud of him. And I was um, literally sitting at dinner with her where she took her phone, pulled up the uh, TED Talk that Rob did, which I will certainly um, provide to you listeners, where Rob talks about the food waste epidemic. I hate to use the word epidemic uh, coming out of COVID, but but the food waste challenge and um, how Toastale is tackling it one, one slice of bread at a time. And I was sitting at dinner watching this TED Talk, perhaps rudely, but I watched it anyway. And I was fascinated. Rob, as you now know, is dynamic. He's fun, just like his sister. And he really is is tackling an important cause. So thank you, Rob. Thank you, Catherine, for introducing us. Um, 102 episodes. I'm shifting gears here. 102 episodes of the Meet Mediocrity podcast. I am thinking that we're going to end episode five at 20 episodes. So that would leave us with three more episodes for season number five. Guests, Actually, a little bit of to be determined. I've got a couple that I'm choosing from, and I'm hoping to have them all kind of wrapped up uh, in the coming uh, week or two so that we can um, wrap up season five um, before summer comes here in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, Anyway, I just want to say thank you again for listening to the Meet Mediocrity podcast. If you're enjoying it after 102 episodes, please tell your friends. Please continue to listen. Please continue to support us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Please continue to go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter. And in the meantime, I wish that you would all continue to stay safe, healthy, well, and positive. Take care, everyone.